Welcome to this week's episode of the Good Luck Club podcast. Our mission here is to help a million people start a business of their own and ensure that no one feels alone doing it. In 2020, we helped 74 people start a business and replied to thousands of comments and questions about entrepreneurship. We're here to help you. We're coming to you live from the Belsize Park Library. We believe libraries are part of your future, not part of the past. We all know libraries had a hard time before COVID with funding stripped. And with COVID, it only got worse. But libraries, in my view, are the only facility left in Britain where you can walk inside and no one asks you for money. If you want knowledge, they'll give it to you. Just write down your name and promise to bring it back in seven days. And I do think that library future is an entrepreneur centre. I think that's how we can save libraries. We can turn libraries into entrepreneur centres. Free WeWorks, but with a real community behind it. And we hope by broadcasting our podcast from this library that you'll see that knowledge can come from a library in all formats, including podcasts. My entrepreneur guest today is Dan Murray Serta. I'm slightly dyslexic, so I always get names wrong. So Dan in a minute will tell me if I got that wrong, but I think I got it right. And he's got the most amazing company name because I can pronounce it, Heights. He also is behind one of UK's most successful business podcasts, Secret Leaders. In part of my research, I've listened to all his podcasts. And honestly, guys, it might be worth pausing this one and just go listen to his because it's mind-blowingly interesting. He is going to join us today, share us his story about how he managed in 20 minutes to raise £1.1 million on Cedars, the fastest ever raise in history of Cedars. And you guys know we had Joff Rabmeyer, the founder of uh, Cedars On, telling us his story about how he built that business. And I'm sure he'd be proud to hear that someone like Dan, with his amazing product, has managed to raise the money he needs to deliver this product to the market and help people. So without further ado, let me bring on Dan. Dan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much. Great introduction. Perfect pronunciation. And it'd be a great time to say, when you say I've got the easiest company name to pronounce, I did a presentation at Heinz last year on what Heights was all about. And the lady that was introducing me um, is Italian. And uh, she goes, and now it's my pleasure to introduce Dan Murray Sutter from Heights. And I was like, hey, God, that's terrible. No, no, I love people. <laughs> so maybe not so easy in every language, but certainly for us it's easy. Straight off the bat there, I think you've given a great point about branding, you know, especially if you're going to go international. Um, you know, what works in one market uh, doesn't work in another. I remember um, the Sahi, the Japanese beer, they had a slogan which basically was about, you know, when you drink beer. It's the most amazing moment when you drink it. It's fantastic. That's what it means in Japanese. And they translated it into English and it said, when you drink this beer, it's comes magic moment. <laughs> That's incredible. Yep. So translation is important. But uh, tell us a little bit about what you're up to and, and um, what uh, Heights is all about and, and how you ended up doing it. Absolutely. Uh, so Heights is a brain care company. And I'm the very proud co-founder alongside my best friend and longtime co-founder, Joel Freeman, uh, and a chief science officer, Dr. Tara Swartz, and a head of nutritional research, Sophie Medlin, and loads of fantastic other colleagues that I've been incredibly lucky to accumulate over 2020, building a remote team because we launched in January the 6th, 2020. The first person we hired was in March last year. And so I never planned to run a remote company, but here we are. You're looking at my office as it has basically been for the last year. Actually, this is an upgrade of the office. I was in my bedroom 
for the first nine months. This is uh, a lot, lot of hard negotiation with my wife to get this kind of space on a lovely afternoon like this for the podcast. Um, and Heights, like I say, is a brain care company under the insight that when we grow up, uh, you know, we're also taught about these these important routines like skin care, hair care, oral care, nail care. These are things that we learn to do because they're important for us. We might not necessarily see the benefit now, rub moisturizer into your skin, you won't necessarily see anything right now, but you know that what you're doing isn't off yourself in the long term because we are human beings, we decay. Um, and that's just the sad fact of life. And from the age of 25, everyone's brain starts shrinking. That is literally a scientific fact, nothing to panic about. But one of the lesser known things is the impact that nutrition can play in slowing that reverse, slowing that decline. And the things that we can actually do to take care of our brain are quite often in our hands and no one really gives it a second thought. So our job at Heights, our mission, our long-term vision is to put brain care on the map to make people consider how prioritizing their most important organ in their body is the best decision they'll ever make. And that you know, beyond overcoming, as I'm sure we'll talk about, overcoming some mental health problems like I did to get back to a baseline by discovering brain nutrition. Actually, if you're at the baseline looking to perform, looking to think clearer, get rid of brain fog, um, sleep better, have more energy in the day, better concentration and more clarity about, you know, what we want to do with our lives, because obviously our brain is the control center for everything we do, then considering brain care at the top of our priority list is essentially the key to unlocking all these things. So that's the long-term vision with Heights. Obviously, as you know, as an entrepreneur yourself, you've got to basically create the long-term vision and then work yourself back into tiny steps. So we're really at the first step right now, which is where we launched in 2020 with a smart supplement, which I'm very happy to talk about, but I'll stop my monologue and let you ask your next question, then. No, it's it's fantastic to hear. I, 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 one of the reasons I love doing this podcast is because I enjoy it. I could just sit back and listen to entrepreneurs all day long uh, like you that are doing amazing things. And I love the fact that, you know, there's a, there's a business started up during this difficult time that's doing well. You know, we, we need stories like this. And uh, so it's great to hear. It's when you said um, your brain starts to shrink. I'm thinking it happened to me around 10, I think, you know, I'd, definitely my brain must have shrunk a little bit earlier because I need my sleep, for example. And I find as I get older, I need more sleep, not less. I don't know how people manage to sleep on yeah, do and it gets harder yeah it does and get it's harder really hard in covid as well there's loads of scientific evidence that's come out um that you know the the pandemic has really drastically affected our ability to sleep clearly through the night that's tough there's not a lot we can do about that mm. Well, it's uh, it's interesting because I, I started my own first business at 15 years old and I retired at 40. And actually, I, I slept quite good during that process of when I stopped working that my brain went crazy and I couldn't sleep. Uh, which That's is an interesting. interesting reverse effect, but uh, but mm. then I had a three. I have a three and a half year old now. So, but then I had a baby, and then uh, there was no choice but no sleep uh, for for a lot of that time. And another reason, probably, to take your product. Step me through how you made this business happen. You know, what a lot of people listening is, you know, wanting to know how to start a business. They would dream perhaps of doing a supplement business. But what were your steps? How did you go about it? Well, I never thought I was going to make a supplement business. So it's worth saying that. It's not my first roll of the dice. I was running a company called Gravel previously, which became the UK's number one shopping app. I've got um, a lot of experience in in starting up with no experience, raising money with no experience, no friends and family rounds or any of that stuff that you know seemed very alien to me. Um, Googling literally how does one raise investment money, reading you know there wasn't even medium posts at the time of doing it, um, just sort of just reading whatever I could. Um, you know, growing that company very, very quickly. In the end, we had over a million monthly active users. So it was an extremely popular product in the UK. However, um, we imploded. 
So I went through the harsh realities of failure as well. And um, really like loved being a mobile technology entrepreneur, which is what, you know, me and same co-founder Joel Freeman were, were doing. And so I never thought that I'd be doing this. I wasn't a supplement taker. I wasn't aware of, you know, the importance of them or my father passed away young. So and had very ill health a lot of his life. And so I was very interested in well-being. Um, I never really saw supplements as part of it particularly. And then one day I um, was very happy, uh, very content, getting married, mum, you know, just recovered from cancer. I like, had like, you know, two fluffy cats that keep me very happy. Uh, I do a gratitude journal every day, you know, lots of processes. So if you ask me how I was, I'd say, great, thank you, like really happy, fulfilled. Uh, but I just couldn't sleep again and I just got insomnia out of nowhere and it took like it really took its toll on my overall health as you would imagine my symptoms were I'd go to sleep at midnight I'd wake up at 2am every single night it went on for five and a half months I went to the doctor he prescribed me sleeping pills um, I didn't want to take them because I knew that that was like a short-term fix for that night but no no actual solution I um, I what, you know, tried calm, I tried sleepio, I tried, you know, no alcohol, more alcohol, cutting out coffee, like you name something, I tried it. And um, cats just come to say hello. Um, they're both they're both coming to say hello. By Anybody the way. listening on um, Spotify or Apple Podcasts, so, I'm missing out right now. You guys have to jump over to YouTube to, yeah, see, to see the uh, background. Mi- mi- missing out. Missing out. Actually, one of them just wants to say hello if you're on camera here. Beautiful. Archie, say hello. There we go. Hello, Archie. I'll put you, put you down for a second. Right, so um it went on for five and a half months and in the end i went for dinner with a with a friend and she said you know have you ever heard of brain nutrition and i was like no i don't really understand like i don't understand the two words together really and i don't really understand what you're talking about frankly um doesn't really compute and so she said well you know your brain is an organ um you know it needs to be fed and maybe you should go see a dietitian and I was like, okay, like, I never really, and I've heard of nutritionists, of course, because that's everyone on Instagram. Um, but I'd never really heard of a, a, a dietitian before, but ultimately nutritionists work with healthy people um, and anyone can be a, a nutritionist. But dietitians actually, you know, they train through the NHS, they study medicine, and then they really look at how food um, and nutrition um, works for sick people. So literally, like they do with sick people, nutritionists deal with healthy people. Um, and I had insomnia, I had a mental health problem. So, and really chronic anxiety that came with it. So, um, I went to see this dietitian. She sussed me out in about five minutes, asked me some very basic questions about my lifestyle, what I was eating, et cetera, et cetera. Basically diagnosed me to say, you're not getting enough of what your brain needs to thrive. Um, she said, very simply, your brain is an energy center. It literally needs these nutrients to thrive. It's not my opinion. It's according to science. Um, I see people like you in my clinic all the time. One of the problems is I, I've gone from being a meat eater to vegetarian and then vegan, like a lot of people do. You get told to take B12 supplements, but that's it. But actually, you know, you're suddenly depleting DHA omega-3, which is what your brain is actually predominantly made of. 25% of your entire brain is DHA omega-3. And in the vegan vegetarian market, they tell you that you get enough omega-3s from things like flax seeds, etc. but it's not true. DHA omega-3 comes from algae. That's where the fish get it from. Um, which is all very well and good, but how often do you sit down and have a lovely dinner of algae? Um, so, you know, people just don't don't have it. So supplementation becomes like a complete necessity. You said even in omnivores, most of our food sadly is so over-farmed that, you know, most people have vitamin deficiencies and need supplements. They just don't know it. So anyway, 
I'm a supplement skeptic. I don't really believe anything's going to work, but I'm also desperate because I've got a mental health problem. She prescribes me DHA Omega 3 supplements, B vitamin complex, and blueberry extracts because I had a sleeping problem, antioxidants, blueberries are antioxidants, and she basically prescribed some very fancy stuff. Sent me off to Planet Organic, which I thought was a bit much because I was like, why can't I just go to Boots or Holland and Barrett? And she explained that the quality of supplements there is super low because the supplement industry has this very odd and deserved bad reputation because it has this big change of what um, a big difference between what marketing claims they can make and what science says is good for your brain. So also good for your body. So let me give you just one example. I was going to buy Omega-3s from Seven Seas. They're the number one biggest brand in the world. It seemed like a very obvious thing to me. I've seen them all my life, right? It's a very famous brand. And she said, no, you can't get them from, um, from Seven Seas. Well, why not? Well, just look on the packet. They're legally obliged to tell you everything you need to know on the package, but everything's in small print. So the detail is, we as humans need a minimum, we're all recommended a minimum of 250 milligrams of Omega-3s ideally DHA and EPA, omega-3s every day for healthy brain function. But legally, they're allowed to put in 45 milligrams in a daily dose and make the marketing claim that it supports a healthy brain, a healthy heart, etc. So rather than do what's right, they do what they can. And so the best-selling brand in the world that most of us, if we take omega-3s, buy from, you need to take six days' worth of their product to get one day's worth of what science says is actually meant to be the recommended amount. They're legally obliged to put this. It's just an asterisk and small print on the back, as are all supplements. So you've got two scenarios here that sort of happened to me. One is, you know, I'm, I'm listening, I'm learning, and I'm trying something that previously I'm a skeptic of, and, like, lo and behold, it works. And, and the funny thing about this is she's not surprised that it's worked. So for me, I'm like, this is a come to Jesus aha moment, right? I'm like, I can't believe I've been suffering with insomnia for six months and like anxiety so bad. So I'm like breaking like hot and cold sweats all day long, really concerned about everything all the time. Um, and yet you were able to just tell me what to do super fast and I did it and it worked and you're not shocked. Or, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a guess that this would work. You just knew it would and it has. That seemed absurd to me. Like how many people are walking around with poor sleep, anxiety, lots of stress, et cetera, et cetera. And yet nutrition is something that if you are, if you're going to a medically trained professional about nutrition, they'll tell you it's really obvious, but yet we don't generally know about this stuff. It seems completely nuts to me that that was the case. So first thing first, I'm grateful that it worked. I'm feeling good again. I'm feeling like myself for the first time in months. And I'm kind of shocked. Secondly, I'm thinking this is crazy because actually science obviously says this stuff works. So the real problem here is communication. There's a communication gap where people don't really know about it. There's a lack of trust because the industry's shite. And so lots of people, lots of brands, 99% of the brands really will take advantage of the fact that they can have this marketing lower amount and basically maximize profits. Um, and that obviously also creates an issue as well on price. So people automatically think supplements are incredibly cheap. You know, they'll cost five quid, 10 quid. But that's not true. You get what you pay for. Um, you're getting pound for pound a worse deal getting cheap supplements for 10 quid than you are if you buy something for 50 quid. That's just sadly the way the industry works. So you're then kind of taking advantage of people who have the time and energy or have had the problem and therefore the education from finding a solution to learn about this, which seems pretty unfair to me. And then the third is obviously I'm thinking, I mean, there is an opportunity in this. Like there is literally an opportunity to create a brand that is great at science communication, builds trust, helps people find solutions, and like it's different to the whole industry by literally just being honest, high quality, decent. You know, it's really interesting. Like, came from a technology background, 
where um, building differentiation into your product, being unique as a brand, is bloody hard. There's a lot of fantastic technology entrepreneurs. Um, building differentiation into creating a product where the, which is a supplement is as easy as not ripping customers off, uh, which is atrocious, but true. So, you know, this is sort of where the journey started. And really for me, the journey starts always with building community. So I'm a big fan of, um, of, of getting evidence, like in the first place that people want what you're doing and appreciate it and can give you a big, like, you know, a good, healthy, regular feedback cycle, looking into how we would build this product. And it became very clear that we would need loads of time, research, money, et cetera, et cetera, to do it because we wanted to build something different and create a product that was like such high quality. There's a bit of a moat and it's not just as simple as ordering some supplements from China, putting them into a bag and sending them to someone, which would have been a perfectly good minimum viable product, but it's not the way we wanted to do it. We're like, we're going to research the highest quality ingredient manufacturers in the world. We're going to source the ingredients from them. So just as an example, our blueberry extract comes from Italy, our, Omega-3 oils come from Nova Scotia. You know, we're literally researching who does the most sustainable, highest quality, most bioavailable ingredients, and then we source from them and we package up the products. So it is just literally like a Maserati of products. Um, so that takes time and research and energy. But then also we're like, we want to help really, you know, the first thing that you can do to help people understand how to take care of their brain is to get them interested in it in the first place. So that doesn't need money. That doesn't need cost and time. That needs what we had at the time, a MailChimp account uh, for 50 quid. And we'll just start sending some newsletters. And because we're nerdy and we like this stuff, you know, we, we just started reading a science paper every week. Well, there are two things. Why? One was good process. So reading a science paper every week and recommunicating that science into plain English that people will read and engage with in a fun millennial way was basically our shtick, if you will, is do you want to know how to optimize your brain for the next week according to science? If yes, we'll send it into your inbox every week, science paper, but rewritten in English. That's what it'll be. And we'll link to the science paper. You can read about it and we won't bombard you. It'll be one thing every week because, again, you try and remember too much stuff, it won't stick. So we followed some really good principles of keeping it simple, short, building an audience. That way. The other thing is I knew that I'd get imposter syndrome because I've already had it before in my life, in my last business. And, you know, not a neuroscientist, not a nutritionist, not a sector expert, don't even know anything about supplements in the first place, right? So for me, I was like, there's this brilliant quote in neuroscience, which is if you read or, if you read or watch something, you learn it once. And when you share it, you learn it twice which basically builds new neural pathways in your brain and cements the knowledge. So as soon as I read this, I was like, this is brilliant. By literally committing to the process before we have a company, before we have any idea of what we're going to make, before anyone's working with us, you and I can literally sit together and read some science papers and then rewrite them in English and send a newsletter every week and see who's interested. And by doing that, we will literally be committing to the process of learning the science about how to take care of your brain. Um, there's a lot of, you know, charismatic marketeers on Instagram and Facebook who will tell you if you do this one thing and this is how to have a purposeful life and all this stuff. And fine, I don't judge those people particularly, but that's opinion. And my opinion was I don't want to be that guy, but someone has to be the face of this company. Someone has to, like, you know, be willing to go on social media and talk about it regularly. At least if I do that, I will say this is what I read in a science paper this week. And this is what the science paper said. Not me. I'm just recommunicating it. And that's been our process the whole way throughout the company. I still write that newsletter every week. Um, you can sign up for it at yourheights.com forward slash Sundays because it goes every Sunday. Um, 
And it's like a three minute read with one story about how to take care of your brain. According to science, last week was about burnout. This week is about perfectionism. Um, so, you know, we find really interesting sector topics as well. Sometimes we work with sector experts to define these topics as well and pull out slight references of their research um, and invite them on our podcast. And now we've got a brain care podcast as well. So, you know, the perfectionism one's a perfect example. We've got this week, Dame Kelly Holmes, amazing, like two-time gold medal winner um, at the Olympics and, uh, you know, but obviously a perfectionist. So on Friday, you know, the podcast is two episodes a week, each one's 15 minutes. So on Friday, it's Dane Kelly Holmes talking about mental health and success. So the downside of perfectionism in that extreme. And then on Sunday, we've got a professor of psychology whose PhD specialism is perfectionism. So now like the science behind it. So we like always like to try and mix a personal story of something great with a science story as well. And I feel like our job is to communicate super snappy, short, bite-sized, because everyone's tired, bored, bombarded with so much stuff to do super snappy ways to improve and look after your brain according to science. And that's really where the company started. It started from a personal experience. It started from a commitment to reading science papers and rewriting them as a newsletter. And, you know, been doing that for over two years now. So the company literally product launched January the 6th, 2020, like I mentioned, but the newsletter is 125 episodes in. And, you know, still one day a week, never missed a beat. That's what we focus on. It's an unbelievable story and I'm signing up to the newsletter and I think anybody that wants to become an entrepreneur um, or, or is presently an entrepreneur and feeling any sort of fatigue, which we all do, I mean, it's just stuff you've got to know, isn't it? It's, it's like taking care of your accounts is one thing. You don't take care of your body, then you know, you know nothing else matters. You don't take care of that yeah, brain. I, completely. And, you know, it's something I learned the hard way. Um, and, it's, you know, it's a quote I said, I've said before, it really, you know, it struck a with lots of people. <laughs> or retweeting it and stuff, but it's just an insight that sort of dawned on me, which is, you know, if you can't be the CEO of your own body, then you shouldn't be the CEO of your company. But people get that wrong. People don't respect their limitations. They don't respect that their body is systems and an engine fed on energy. And, you know, you've got to fill up the tank and you've got to make sure that you are literally feeding it like you would feed a company money customers and ideas the same thing for your body so you know i don't say the stuff lightly i've made all the mistakes myself like a lot of people who have any insights or wisdom do right it doesn't come from actually being smart or wise it comes from learning from your mistakes and hoping that other people don't make the same mistake but this is a real challenge in wellness so heights is in wellness you know ultimately mental wellness um brain care is wellness and most people do exactly what I did, which is wait until they have a mental health problem and then try and cure it. And it's very hard to make people care about looking after themselves before they've had any experience of what happens if you haven't. And that's a sad fact and reality. And that's kind of what we're trying to help people understand by, you know, dropping in their inbox every week, dropping in their podcast for 15 minutes, you know, just short stories, a little bit of inspiration and information, just so you can like watch out and take care of yourself. Yeah, it's it's such a good point. I think um, the one caveat I would say is uh, my father um, also died young. Um, my, my father died when I was 15 years old. He was 56. And I think um, he died of a heart attack. And therefore, I'm very conscious of health because of his ill health. I think, that, that, I think that does add, um, does make, 
I'm sure there's people that are aware, haven't had anything horrible happen to them yet, and they are aware and they're subscribing. But it's very interesting to try and tap into that group of people that aren't aware. And it's quite interesting, you know, the CEO quote. I feel like, you know, you better trademark that or something. Otherwise, because that, that's, that's, that kind of captures the point, doesn't it? That for a lot of people, if you're not taking care of, filling up your own bucket first, then how can you fill up the bucket of your employees or your customers? Or, you know, you, you, don't, you don't have the power to do that. Sometimes literally, right? So it's really interesting. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's interesting to have had time to reflect as well. You know, I didn't rush into stuff. I've had a lot of time to reflect and think about things. And ultimately, success or failure in entrepreneurship is, is, is really determined by your ability to make decisions. You know, every, every opportunity, every moment is a fork in the road and an opportunity to make a decision. So if your brain is underfed, if you're not feeling energetic, if you are fatigued, if you are tired, if you are stressed, if you're depressed, if you're anxious, if you're any of these things and you're just ignoring them, you're only making good decisions. And you might get away with a few bad decisions, but ultimately, if your bad decisions outweigh your good decisions, you're going to fail. There's just a fact. There's no getting around it. And if you're able to make more good decisions than bad decisions, the opposite's true, right? You're more likely to succeed. So it all starts from giving your brain the priority it deserves so that you make better decisions so that you have the clarity to think through the path you're taking, the steps you're making, whether you're employing the right people, all of these things just come down to decision-making ultimately. Totally. It's interesting. I, I, um, I just interviewed Nick Jenkins and that's exactly his statement. You know, the, one of, the, the one bit- of our, one of our investors, yeah. I absolutely love him. He's yeah. a humongous uh, fan actually. And a really interesting, sorry, I'm totally aware I just interrupted. That's terrible, but I was just going to say, Someone who neglected his health, much better now, um, but generally speaking, didn't give much thought to his health. Highly skeptical on our product, highly, um, which is funny because his, his partner's a nutritionist. Um, literally been a customer for over a year, evangelical about it, and just like so fascinated and obsessed with the business. He's so archetypal, not the type of customer you'd expect, but a complete convert. So really interesting as well. Exactly. You kind of took the words out of my mouth in many respects. It's, um, you know, I guess this is one of the problems of interviewing a podcast host. Um, There there is, uh, you know, you you, you put things so well. And and, and I think what I took from his interview when I interviewed him was was just that kind of that focus on health and well-being and how that's become important but also that point you're making that's so important for entrepreneurs to pick up on which is the decision making piece you know that that's really what an entrepreneur is you're a decision decision making machine you're taking risks you're making decisions that perhaps other people can't make or or, are scared to make and I think if your brain isn't working right if you don't have the energy you know the decisions you might be making might be a reflection of your inability to have the energy to execute on the on the decision you should be making that's positive so it's um it really, it really resonates with me, and uh, I really agree with you. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm jumping to the Cedars campaign you did. Now, a lot of people um, reach out to us asking how to do a good crowdfunding campaign, and of course, they're going to read what you're doing and like it's the dream. Twenty minutes, one point one million. How did you do this? What was the mechanism around, you know, raising? Of course, a good product. There's no doubt about it. But plenty of people have gone on to crowdfunding platforms with good products and haven't been able to raise the money. So, what do you think was your secret sauce? The secret source is there is no secret source. So, you know, this is hard work and commitment. And I, sadly, you know, like a lot of people, I've looked throughout my life for the quick fix as well, but it doesn't really exist. The sooner that you give up on the quick fix and start to build consistency and systems, the more you'll realize the way that things actually compound. So the truth is um, that 20 minutes took six months of planning. It took 
so many phone calls, so many personal pitches to people to get them to sign up for the campaign, to get them involved, to get them excited about the way that the campaign was going to be run with the vision. You know, literally I, I was calling up people, Nick included. Uh, Nick is one of the people that invested. Um, you know, we're looking to make a record-breaking crowdfunds. You know, we've got a target of raising our first million in, I didn't say in 20 minutes, I just said I want it to be a record-breaking crowdfund. So you can be part of that story. This is when it's going to go live. This is how it's going to go live. This is how much we've already got committed. Are you in? You know, and also we're saying that um, on crowdfunding, they always ask you to at least have 50% of the money raised in advance. You know, more than committed in advance because... And I'd spent ages planning and talking about this crowdfunding. You know, it was a real core focus in, in Q3 for us. Um, and the reality is I'd had so many phone calls with people, um, so many emails, but also we, by this point, had a newsletter list of 25,000. So 25,000 people every week are reading a newsletter from me every Sunday. You know, first one went to 50 people. Two years later, it's going to 25,000 people. Um, there's a sign off, you know, if you like what we're doing at heights, this is what we're doing. There was a month of, you know, pre-communication of it. Um, this, and, 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 you know, we're doing a pre-launch. This is the pre-launch is how to get involved with the pre-launch. This is who's investing. Um, you know, and then obviously I've got video testimonials in advance of people that were obsessed with the company. Nick was one of them. I did a zoom interview and like, you know, Nick, can you give a, give a testimonial as a customer about how much you love this? Michael Acton Smith, the founder of Calm, was another one. Um, Renee Elliott, who's the founder of Planet Organic, you know, her testimonial was hilarious. Her testimonial was literally, I'm a customer for me, my husband, and my three kids, and I get free supplements from my own company, Planet Organic, and I still choose heights for my whole family over anything that we sell. What better testimonial are you going to get about product quality? Isn't it just um, amazing, though, how entrepreneurs are like that? I mean, think about that testimonial for a second. You know, I think this is something yeah. people miss about the entrepreneurial community. She's got her own business. Of course, she wants to yeah. promote that you should buy it from her own business, but she will still yeah. do that for you because she believes in the product. That's a true entrepreneur well, is, right there. The, the, it is. It is. But the flip side is also true, which is as an entrepreneur, you need to figure out what your thing is going to be. Um, now, our product is expensive by normal measures. It's 40 pounds a month. And for most people buying supplements that are used to seeing boots and Holland and Barrett things, one get, get one, get another for a penny and all those kind of bills. You think 40 pounds a month, that is ridiculous. Like that's the most, you know, anyway, it's actually, it's from one pound a day because if you buy a quarterly, it's 30 pound a month, et cetera, et cetera. But the point being, it feels expensive to people and it's a subscription product because we're not trying to get any limitless one hit wonder magic pill customers at all. We're trying to get people in as a system. Now the reality is, and Renee knows this because this is how I met her. I once got a meeting with Renee um, from Planet Organic and because I wanted her to become a customer and believe in us. Um, and I turned up with a bill from Planet Organic of what was in Heights and what I bought in Planet Organic. Planet Organic, basically sells high quality products. So if you want to buy supplements separately, vitamin D, whatever it is, you should get them from there, not somewhere like Boots or Holland and Barrett. Anyway, I turned up with a bill for 120 pounds. And I said, this is what's in heights. Literally milligram per milligram, pound for pound. I have to spend 120 pounds at Planet Organic for what we sell for 40 pounds in heights. That's how good value our product is. Um, and she gets quality, right? This is the whole thing. She understands quality. She understands the difference between a marketing spiel and what science is saying your brain and body needs. 
And so she got it from day one. She was like, I'd love to try it. And I let her try it. And then she became a customer for all five people in her family and has been one ever since. And the reason I'm giving this anecdote and story is because, you know, you can be a cheap product and you can hit a mass market, but you can't claim quality at that point. And you would not be able to get a, a customer advocate testimonial from a Rene Elliott or a Michael Acton Smith from Calm. You also wouldn't end up getting a testimonial from someone like Nick Jenkins because Nick doesn't care or know about quality. He only cares about how he feels. Um, he's pure skeptic, doesn't think it works. But the difference between having super high quality stuff and being smart enough to commit to a process, you know, so over a three month period, it's like, I do feel like I'm sleeping better. I do feel like I've got more energy. He is improving. You won't get any of those customer benefits if you choose a cheap quality product and like, but go mass market. So, you know, at every point you're making choices. And where we sacrifice, you know, sadly, because of the quality of our product, the cost of ingredients, et cetera, where we sacrifice on being able to reach more people, which we would love to do from a pricing point of view. Um, we make up for in having the highest quality product in the market at its price point, full stop, according to literally your competitors who take your product. I mean, it's an amazing customer story, but it's true. So this kind of stuff takes time, energy, effort, belief, patience, all of those things lead into how to create, uh, you know, a fastest ever crowdfund in 20 minutes, right? You know, I, these I, kind I, of testimonials, they, they take um, time. This I, isn't like a overnight thing. I actually think you have highlighted secret sauce. I didn't say the secret sauce was simple. I think um, you've highlighted it. I, I think the groundwork is totally underappreciated. Yeah, exactly. Patience a, is basically the secret sauce. Totally. And I think, you know, you, you were passionate about the problem and you built it up slowly. I think there's too many get-rich-quick mindsets out there and, and they don't prepare and, and, and then they fail and they wonder why. So I, I think that is the secret sauce, um, a very complicated... Yeah, the only people that the get-rich-quick schemes get rich are the people selling them. That's, that's the ironic truth. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm quite active on TikTok, and every single one I'm swiping up is people selling um, entrepreneurship is easy, just go on a computer and buy something and sell it, and, and, and they're completely missing the point, right? So couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to kind of do a little bit of your history i mean i could talk about your product all day long and and i'm you know i think everyone should buy it i love it i really love it but i just wanted to talk a little bit about how you got here because what we're trying to do with the podcast is, is educate people on a process now you have gone through a whole process you you've worked mm. for someone else 10 Alps publishing in 2007 a long time ago probably but you worked for other yeah. people and then you've, you've been an angel yeah. investor i'd love to understand a little bit of your journey as you went through this cycle of like working for someone else and working for yourself were you always an entrepreneur when you were young was it always right. there did you kind feel forced into work was it how did it play out for you what's what's your journey yeah yeah good questions uh so my dad was an entrepreneur but he wouldn't call himself that so he was a business owner he started a business at 16 he uh, ran it until he was 65 so 49 years when he passed away um and he uh never wanted anything other than to just put food on the table and you know just different different perspectives and the reality is um you know he grew up um, poor East End, son of immigrants kind of thing. Um, whereas I obviously, you know, grow up middle class from a family that, you know, a father that's put the hard shift in and it's a very different kind of outcomes. So for me, you know, I had the opportunity at 16 to talk about going to university. My dad didn't have that. He had to just go and start work. So, you know, very different start to life. And I've always been made very um, clear by my parents about my good fortune, you know, how lucky I am to have a very different start in life to them. And, I think that's a really important part of, of education of a, a young person as well is, is being completely grateful for what you've got and the stark contrast to your parents' lifestyle as well. Um, 
I went into advertising. I actually never wanted to be an entrepreneur or do anything running my own business because my dad's business killed him, basically. You know, he had a heart attack after heart attack, um, you know, house repossessed, you know, all sorts of things that happen when you run a business and none of it seemed very glamorous to me. Uh, there was absolutely no sex appeal of running your own business. It sounded absolutely horrific. So I was very clear I wasn't going to go and do it. I went into advertising, um, which is what I wanted to do. Uh, I'm, you know, a creative person. I love the idea of writing ads and being creative and all of these things. Um, I was very lucky. I went to work for, uh, well, at first I was very unlucky. I went to work for a complete maniac and I had to go and get a restraining order from him. He was so completely psychotic. True story. Um, but one day I was doing a, a sales pitch and, to a company and they loved my pitch so much they tried to hire me and I was desperate to get out and I did go and work for them and I ended up getting on really well with my boss. I worked there for a couple of years um, and that boss wanted to leave the company and start a new one with me, a new advertising agency and wanted me to join him as a, a co-founder there because you know I was young, I was 23 at the time um, when this was happening, I actually left at 24. and. He saw something in me that I didn't know I had myself. Uh, and I was really, I mean, I really remember agonizing. I'll never forget the feeling of leaving a job um, because I'd worked so hard to get a job in the first place. You know, I graduated in 2008, so I graduated in the recession. Um, so there weren't any jobs. I actually, my first job was, you know, after uni was I went to work in a pub for an entire year. Um, you know, I had a first class education, worked so hard, A's, like all this stuff and for nothing, uh, there were no jobs. So I was so lucky to have a job and so grateful to have a job that I liked that the idea of then starting a business, um, and taking all that risk was not appealing either, but he convinced me and it made me feel comfortable about it. And that's really why I became an entrepreneur it was more someone giving me the opportunity to go with them and learn with them. Um, and it's interesting, after six to nine months, it became really clear to me that we weren't good business partners. For starters, we both liked the same stuff. We were both creative. We were both salespeople. We were both outgoing. We were both salesy. Like We just really enjoyed like you know people and all this stuff. Didn't love processes. It was clearly like a bit of a nightmare. It was too much confirmation bias of enjoying each other's company. Um, and also, you know, he was 15 years older than me. He wanted different things at that pace in his life. It sort of became clear that he really wanted me to put in twice as hard a shift as he was willing to put in. Um, I wasn't old enough or mature enough to necessarily know what good entrepreneurship or bad entrepreneurship should feel like, but I was certainly old enough and mature enough to know that things had to feel equal if they were equal. And I called him up on it and made him commit or not to what time he'd be spending in the business over the next year or how he saw it. And it wasn't enough. And I was really honest with him. I was like, this isn't going to work. And it's not going to work because of these things. And you want something completely different in life. And that might have started six months ago, might have been completely different to how it is now, I'm not holding it against you. But this isn't for me. I'm not willing to work twice as hard as someone else. I'm willing to put in 100% with someone else that's willing to put in 100%. Um, and we've got a great relationship still. Um, we still chat. Um, it's a great story. I, think, I mean, a very honest story, which I appreciate you sharing, because I think for my listeners, again, you know, sometimes when it's not working, a lot of people that listen to us have businesses and they're struggling. And it could be mm. that you've not got the right partner. And accepting that mm. and being willing to let it go and make a change is, is so hard. That was not an easy decision to make, especially if you enjoyed each yeah. other's company. 
and you're actually yeah. still friends. If you fall out with each yeah. other, that's sometimes easier. You know, if you actually like each other. But I think the other learning that's really important from what you're saying is is sometimes when you get into partnership with people, same moral code, completely different skill set. That's what you want, right? Oh, big time, big time. So the most important thing, so ever since I've been working with my best friend, Joel, you know, I went to school with Joel from the age of seven. We went to uni together. We went traveling together. People say, don't go into business with your best friend. The reality is Joel's completely, he did economics at uni. He's extremely strategic, really smart, very numerate, you know, all the things I'm not. Um, therefore, great, you know, natural skill set and all the things I can't do. And to be fair, he's a bit of a polygot, so he can do a lot of the things that I can, but doesn't have the same passion or energy or drive to do them like I do. And so it works out really well. Um, but most importantly, there's nothing more important in a business relationship than trust. That is the single most important thing that I've found. It's knowing when things are really bad and you're your worst self and you are frail, you haven't got any ideas, you don't know what to do, you feel like giving up. Knowing that you can say that, that, that stuff to your business partner without judgment, without fear of consequence, just being able to be yourself, your worst self in front of the person that you need at that point to just listen, understand, and sometimes say me too, sometimes say not me too, but I hear you. That comes from a place of deep trust. Mm. Um, and that's really the stuff, you know, I mean, this is like beyond the obvious stuff, right? Where it's like, you know, taking advantage of people with equity, with salary, you know, this is going beyond the obvious stuff where trust comes in. At the heart of it, is the emotional safety to be able to just admit that you're not capable, you're not handling it well, you need help. You know, these are really important things to have in a business relationship that ultimately often define whether a company is successful or not. So I think, you know, I, I agree with you about the friends point. I think that is thrown around uh, like a lot of silly things in entrepreneurship by people that have never experienced them. You know, you can definitely be in business with your friend. In fact, I've got into business with people who aren't friends over time become very good friends. And if you've got a friend, I guess probably the, 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 the definition I would give, and you feel free to disagree, would be get in business with a friend who you can have honest conversations with. If you've got a friend you can't have honest conversations with, then maybe, you know, think twice. Uh, and, you know, yeah. think twice whether or not they're actually a friend. But, you know, ultimately, yeah, exactly. um, you know, that, that, that I think that that trust you can have with a friend who will tell you as it is and, and tell you how, how it really is, 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 so, is so amazing. And, and friendship is definitely, if you love what you do, you better like the people you're working with, right? I think you've got to, go, yeah, you've got to come, totally. become friends with them. Otherwise, you know, it, I actually don't think it works unless you do that. Totally agree. Mm. Totally it's, it's, agree. It's, it's so true. I mean, it's interesting as well. Um, you know, we both interviewed uh, Nick Jenkins. I, I um, you know, just for those that don't know him in case, um, you know, you're not from the UK, Moonpig founder, um, created an incredible business, um, at, sold a photo box for 110 million, personally made 42 million out of it, built an incredible reputation as an angel investor, and a, a fantastic guy, really knows what he's talking about on entrepreneurship and done it himself from scratch to, to, to something. I think one of the things that I took from his interview was that he said that he really enjoyed being, I guess, the 100% owner and having no co-founder. And, and personally, yeah, I I'm the opposite. I, 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 I've, I've mm. had 18 companies, three of them have been successful. The ones that have been super successful have been because I had a co-founder. I, I really need a co-founder. I enjoy working with a co-founder. And so I, I enjoy that, that camaraderie and that, that partnership. Um, so I really, I really enjoy it. But it's interesting to hear Nick's view. And, 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 and I feel like, um, you know, you've, of course, also had his view for your podcast. But what do you think about this now? If you're li my listeners are listening, you know, what do you think is the right way forward? Sole founder, 100% equity, all yours? Or do you, you know, your model now, I'm assuming, you know, you're in it together 50-50 and that's the right model. Or what do you think? Yeah. 
full credit to Nick. A bunch of my friends are um, single founders as well. It's not for me. Um, maybe Nick is more resilient. Um, I mean, you know, it's just quite possible. And also some people just can't work with other people. Like maybe, maybe Nick's a megalomaniac. Who knows? Um, I love the guy. Maybe he's impossible to work with. I mean, he'd be the first person to say it if it was the case. So for me, I don't care about, I mean, like I said, I'm not material. Like I'm in this, like your business, ultimately what I've learned anyway, I certainly didn't behave like this before, but you need to have a bloody great time as mo- as often as you can running your business. And so doing that in partnership, you know, I can't tell you, like, you know, 2019 building heights before launch, literally just me and my business partner every day turning up to a coffee shop, thinking about ideas, nothing, no product in the market to sell, just a newsletter. Um, I'd be bloody lonely for a whole year doing that. I get that people do that, fair enough, but that's not for me. Like the camaraderie, especially when nothing's going anywhere, because this is the thing, like, people have to appreciate not everything is growth in startups. I mean, firstly, there's obviously the opposite, which is shrinkage, failure, challenges, like dealing with difficulty. But there's also like long periods where just nothing's happening. And you don't really have any evidence that you're onto anything. Uh, no evidence you're onto a good idea. No evidence that anyone wants what you're selling. No one's really even bothering to give you feedback. You know, these are rubbish scenarios to be in, but they are part of the process. So having someone to talk to during those times that's worth way more to me than 100% of my equity. I, I, you know, I, 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 I completely agree with you. And it's an interesting topic to discuss, probably a whole podcast series in it on its own. But, but I find that the, um, you know, out there for, for people, equity ownership seems to be the, be careful, own amount, the loads of equity. And I, I, I think it is about the journey, isn't it? It is about the experience of building a business. It's, that's getting lost a little bit in, 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 the, in the grab to own it all. And, and the, having said that, like you say, and I, I think Nick is one of these people, he, he has an all-rounded skill set. You know, he, he, he's done an MBA. He's done, he's done certain things that give him an understanding of finances, give him an understanding of marketing, give him an understanding of the back end and the front end. But, but you know, like, like you're saying, and I, I think I'm similar, you know, that if you know where your skill set is and you're really good at that skill set, but you know where you're weak, co-founder can fill that gap. Now, the tricky thing is what is they're working hard or they're not working hard and what is equal? I think that's a really tricky thing. Like I had a partner, for example, who was a graphic that's designer. Where trust comes in, though. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. Trust is definitely the key word. You, you know, you're absolutely right. But I think it's tricky for people to also figure out. I mean, trust is one thing, but there's an element of um, perception. Like my 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 uh, my business partner was a designer, and and actually, I mean, I trusted her, but you know, she 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 would actually work sometimes, you know, all night, and then she wouldn't work for three days. You know, so, mm. so you're right, it's trust. But I also think it's, there's an element of um, you know, understanding each other's work set and understanding what, you, what you're both... You know. It's interesting you had that conversation with your partner, you see, that, that's what's making me think about this. You, know, you had a conversation with your partner, this was your expectations and it wasn't theirs. And that's kind of the work-life balance question that comes up all the time, isn't it? Now, what does that mean to you? And I think my instinct with you, Dan, is that work-life balance, there is no such thing, right? You love your work and, and you will include it in your life, right? True, and arguably, you know, an off-brand statement in the sense of, uh, you know, obviously I want to support and promote good, healthy balance. But to be honest with you, for me, um, if you love what you do, there is no, I mean, for starters, let's just dispel something. There is no such thing as work-life balance. There's just life. And if you love what you do, then you're adding value to your life. And it's that simple. So... 
I just you want you to know, I just want to know, I, I haven't copied this saying. I said exactly the same thing 10 years ago. I can show you the Bloomberg. I said it on Bloomberg. You, you just say, I couldn't agree though, more. Right? People do not get this, though. There's this permanent question, isn't it? Oh, you know, oh, being an entrepreneur, that doesn't sound like a good idea. I won't have work-life balance. Well, actually, if you're doing a job you hate nine to five to live mm. for the weekends, I would say you're totally out of balance. 100%. Yeah, and and hundred percent. But I think what you're saying there is really important. I want the listeners not to miss it because I think it's like a, a, a diamond there. You know, like people are so busy trying to figure out work-life balance themselves, and then maybe in business, even judging what work-life balance is for someone else, have a conversation about what your version of work-life balance is because I think it will have a problem. I mean, I ended up marrying my business partner, so you know, our work-life balance became completely integrated. But actually, yeah. I think our marriage worked, and, and we fell in love because we had the same ethos. We Loads would go of great examples of it. We would go home, um, you know, we'd go for dinner after work, and you know, we'd chat about the business, and we'd enjoy it. We felt a bit guilty. Maybe we shouldn't stop talking about business for a minute now because society tells us so. But like you say, if you love what you do, it's such, it's such an important insight, and I and I think people don't you get to know yourself, and and you know what you're saying there is kind of get to know yourself, and then just enjoy life, right? Whatever it is you want to do. Sounds like your business partner was also pretty smart. You know that they they decided they wanted to, they didn't want to work as hard as you. That was not the life they wanted. Well, good for them, right? Yeah, that's actually 100%. really great. Just don't get in partnership yeah, with someone and, like that. And different people are at different stages of their life. Like he'd made money, I hadn't. Right. Very Makes important. Sense. Go spend it. Enjoy it. Enjoy your forties. I completely get that. But I was twenty-four, so you Makes know, different sense. stage of my life. Totally, and that's another very, very important point. It's about stages, isn't it? Now, mm. um, I'm conscious of time. How did you get into investing? And I just want to do a shout out for Beam. I noticed you invested in Beam. I'm a big fan. We'll be working with them this year. I really love what they're doing there. Noticed you're an investor, but you know, how did you get into investing? How did that come about? Bearing in mind you were starting yeah. a business. And- Beam is a perfect example of the type of company that I'm like, listen, I'm done angel investing. I don't have any more money and any money that I need, I promise my wife that I stop spending on startups and actually like invest in our future. But Alex is really good friend of mine. I've known Alex. Alex is the first person I ever met in entrepreneurship. Um, He wasn't doing Beam at the time, but we've known each other for eight years or something. So I've been with him on this whole journey. He's been with me on the whole journey. I'm obsessed with Beam. Um, I was one of his first ever customers, like you name it. I've been there like throughout the whole journey with him. So when there was an opportunity to invest in Beam, I was all right, I'm making the exception here because I do absolutely love it. Um, The simple answer to that is my business before, so in between this one and before Gravel um, with Joel, um, we basically started a group buying site and um, so like a Groupon for students. There's a market that we kind of understood, flash in the pan, this is going to be a very quick story because like, I know we're running out of time, but um, use third-party everything, no employees, good idea, threw up a landing page, all that kind of stuff, and it just went exceptionally well very quickly. And um, We had the really good foresight. You know, it made a few hundred thousand pounds very quickly and never been able to replicate that kind of success again. Um, we shut it down. Shut it down at the right time, had seed money to start Gravel, um, obviously, we had costs and all that money wasn't ours because, like I say, you're using third party, you know, you're paying a commission of 30% every time to different platform players and stuff. But um, fortunately for us, we had a great opportunity to, um, to invest in ourselves, uh, invest in other opportunities. And so, you know, I loved the idea of angel investing. I've invested in, you know, a handful of companies. I not big tickets like the biggest has I think been 15k so we're talking really like 5 to 10k in most um missed some good ones I uh but like the most important thing is 
you know, I had confidentially, of course, I'm not going to mention the company, but I had a, an email from a company the other day who, really difficult situation, um, having to sell, I'm going to lose my money, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I need you to do X, Y, and Z, you know, do you want a call? Do you want this? Do you want that? And I'm like, no, like, you know, whatever you need from me, I'll do my risk, not yours. Like I chose to do this, not you. And like, what can I do to help you support you? Do you have any difficult investors who aren't playing ball? Would it help them to talk to someone who understands what, and I think that's probably the biggest, highest value that I've offered to anyone that I've invested in is empathy. Mm. Oh, um, it's so lacking. I'm mad about losing my money. It's my own choice. It's my own problem. Besides, there's EIS and SEIS. So it's really not that bad, as you know. Um, you know, be there for the entrepreneur. Great advice. Be there lot, for the person. A lot of our listeners want to be investors um, and they want to invest in startups. And I think they're thinking about, you know, how they can make money. But, you know, you're highlighting what, what really investors, angel investors anyway, uh, are, are really about. I mean, definitely entrepreneur investors. I think they're the best investors to have in your business because, you know, we know what it's like to have someone on your back, for example, you know, when you're trying to build a business mm-hmm. you or someone telling mm-hmm. you what to do. People can give you advice. Doesn't mean you need to take it, for example, right? And there are some people that have never been an entrepreneur and that I gave you that advice. You didn't do it six months ago. Now, look, you know, instead of like, I how know. can I help you now? You know, so, so it's a really really important point i think it also highlights just you know if people are thinking of raising money you've got to get people i think with dan's attitude <laughs> i've got to get, you've got to get people I mean, with your attitude then totally look everyone's different of course people invest to make money i don't want to come across like i'm a moron i don't understand the principles of investing but um i invest to learn so i pitched companies in a variety of different industries i was super curious about what those companies were doing i thought i'd get great insights and learning about their entrepreneurial journey as well that's my primary motivation um and obviously look in each of those i thought that i'd make money back and you know i'm not a very good investor um i don't invest you know i don't have a thesis i don't say you know i don't do this type i do this type because i can see the upsides much better that's just not how i invest i invest because i like the person i want to back them i believe in their vision i think they've got conviction um and the reality is if those things match up that company's still likely to fail because just look at the statistics so you have to be there for the entrepreneur and you have to support their journey and in most of these cases, all you're really doing is building a relationship with them so you get the opportunity to invest in their next thing, which has far more chance of success, but so do they. So they wouldn't be coming to you for that check at that time and that opportunity unless you were with them early on the journey. So, yeah, I, I think, Dan, you're, you're, you're the exact opposite to a moron. Um, exact opposite, <laughs> I think. You know, it's it's gold, and I I couldn't agree more. A friend of mine recently um, was asking about investing in startups, and he asked me, should I invest in this company? And I said, basically, if you can see it, he did an MBA. I said, if you can see investing, when you put the money into the MBA, you lost it, right? And you don't mind. You learned a load of things, right? So when you make that investment, if you think about it that way, then that, that'll be great. If you think about it, you know, yes, hopefully you'll make money back, hopefully. Mm. But you'll go insane if you mm. worry about it. Because I, I know myself, I've made 68 investments, you know, some of them 11, 12, 13, 14 years before they failed, not even made money, mm. you know, like mm. I've sat around, worked, helped, yeah. been a part of it. And you have to love what they're doing too, which is why Beam is such a good example of, of your investment. I mean, uh, just the meaning is more important than the money. 100%. And I'm there for that business throughout thick and thin any way that I can help. I brought them in, loads of investors too. Um, because I want to be their biggest cheerleader and that means something to me and my sense of identity and how I like to think of myself as a person. Those things mean a lot to me. Um, 
and you know, like I think the, my investment strategy to people very similar to my, I guess, insight on how to be successful, which is, you know, all this stuff comes down to long-term thinking over short-term thinking. So what is your long-term thinking? You know, it's the same thing as anyone that asks us, you know, are your pills like limitless pills? And like, I don't want to turn you away as a customer to be rude to you, but you've already entered in with the wrong expectation. Certainly they're not. Um, if you're looking for a limitless pill, then keep searching. You will obviously only ever be searching and you'll waste a lot of money in the end. And when you finally come back to our solution and realize that in that time you could have spent less by committing to one product and sticking to it and feeling the benefits as those things compound, um, that's everyone, everyone needs to go on their own journey of discovery like that. So I use that analogy for people that look for a quick fix solution, like, you know, that they hope our product is, and then in the end, come back to us and, and give it a go and commit to it and stick to it. I use that advice when people are looking for hacks, you know, how do you raise 20 minutes uh, to crowdfunding in 20 minutes? How do you um, invest successfully in, you know, the best people, all of these things, they all come down to thinking long-term over short-term. Um, anyone that has short-term thinking, sadly, is being missolted. I couldn't agree more. And um, I, I appreciate your insights. I guess uh, I actually want to have you back on or, or I'd love to uh, talk more. A lot of people who listen want to learn about podcasts and how to start one and, and lots of other insights around, I guess, branding. I'd like to ask you about you know, trademarks and all these sorts of things. I'd love to have you back on another time, uh, Dan. We have run out of time and, and you know, as well as I do, audiences won't listen forever, but I, I, I personally no. could listen to you forever. I really love Always your leave them wanting more. Yeah, so we'll, we'll definitely have to have you back on and, 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 and get more into this as you develop your business as well. I mean, one thing I guess I would leave, my, my, my kind of fun question to, to, to lighten the mood at the end, is that if you went back to your younger self and gave some advice, what would it be? Oh, uh, easy. It would be prioritise your brain um, and, and, and everything else will fall into shape. So really life, life for me is just about understanding your priorities. And ultimately, if your health is your priority, which it has to be, then all great health starts at your brain. Um, but it's something that took me a decade to understand. Well said. Well said. I um, want to uh, wrap up. Uh, I'll just say a few things I've taken away from it. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's heights, not hates. Just remember that, folks. Um, don't rip off customers. Sounds so obvious, doesn't it? I feel like people do forget this in the in the rat race of um, you know free apps to sell your data and, and 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 in this world where things are all about making money. You know, there's something to be said about legacy and don't rip off your customers. Something Dan said in the beginning of the podcast that really resonates with me. Um, Dan mentioned a saying. I'm going to mispronounce it, but the meaning of it for me is: uh, read it once and you learn it. Share it and you learn it again. You know, I think sharing knowledge is just so powerful. And you are you have more knowledge than you realize. You just need to read it and share it maybe you've just read it and so i love that um please sign up to dan's newsletter i'm going to do it we all need better brain health uh thank you joel for for uh, making this business happen even though you're not here today i do love this um you can't be a say ceo of your own uh body you shouldn't be a ceo of a company i um i think i would have got fired a few times in my career if i'd followed that advice because i've certainly neglected myself at points but it's a mistake it's the most valuable vessel you've got you've got to invest in it i think trust is key to it all dan dan talked about trust quite a few times and and i couldn't agree more and if you you have to get into business with people you trust and maybe um 
you don't know these people when you first get into business with them, but they've got a track record. You know, you can go you can go search companies' house, for example, and find out what they've done before. You know, but you can you can figure out uh, trust and and of course trust your gut is what I always say about that. Don't overlook compound. I mean, this is something uh, a previous podcast guest, Nick Wheeler, also talked about. Um, uh, his, him and his wife, uh, his wife Chrissy, founded the White Company. And, you know, the, 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 I think that's compound in business is so interesting. Dan talked about it today, how you build up a business over time. It's not about the instant, you know, launch. It's about that work underground, you know, building the newsletter in his case and building out the business is so important, so overlooked. So many people are building houses without having built a foundation. They don't want to buy the land. They don't want to do the, the planning for the, the concrete at the bottom. They don't want to do the work to figure out what it should look like. They just want to build the house, and, and it's a mistake. And compound is the reason it's a mistake. I think opposite to you in partnership is really important. Um, you know, not everyone needs a co-founder. I was just reading Sequoia's investment thesis, which is they will only invest in businesses that do have a co-founder, and that their view on it is about health risk. If one founder drops you've got to have one that can carry on the business but but i think you know that aside you know in in business it is about enjoying what you do and if you enjoy doing it and being completely in control yourself that makes sense i do think what dan said today uh, is tremendously valuable for his own experiences of partnering with someone that had different goals to him not necessarily right or wrong not different just different and and i think having those conversations early with your partners dan said it is so true your early conversations before the business uh, becomes successful ideally um, you know you can find out what really matters to each of you and, and you don't waste each other's time um uh, be equal or not is what dan said i love that you know you're either equal or you're not and i think it's a t-shirt just got to get it so it jingle sounds better but uh, but being equal really really resonates with me too so dan i want to thank you for taking the time out to share your story with us and i really enjoy it and i'm excited I, i'm subscribing to your product and i'm excited to see how you uh, you solve all of our brain problems well, thank you very much. That's a very big, uh, a big promise, and uh, you know, never overpromise and underdeliver. But obviously, I'd love anyone to check us out at yourheights.com. Yep, we'll put um, all the links and, in the bio below. Everyone can click click there if they need to. Uh, fan- get, get fantastic! To thank you so much. It's been a pleasure, mate. Thank you so much for taking the time, Dan. Really appreciate it. All right. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. As Dan said, and I've said, if you found what he had to say interesting, do me a favor, go follow him on social media. It might cost you a little bit of money to buy his product, but at the very least, maybe you could give him a like on his social media or follow. It really costs nothing. And right now, I really feel we've got to give new businesses every bit of support we can. Now it's the time to support companies that in the future will be able to employ people as we come out of this difficult time. So please, it costs nothing. Go give a like on, on Dan's social media pages. All the links are below. It would mean a lot to us here at the Good Luck Club podcast if you went out and gave them a bit of luck. I know you have thousands of podcasts you could be listening to. In fact, last time I read 784,000 active podcasts and you take time out to listen to ours and we feel incredibly lucky. Thank you.